hello. Welcome to episode 102 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, t- today we're going to go through two more prospects, and we're going to talk a little bit about a lot about shooting with these two guys. Uh, so we're going to go over James Booknight and Corey Kispert. Yeah, we decided on Kispert because he's probably another intriguing aspect that I would not mind the Kings taking. So that's why I've settled on Kispert and Booknight. And with me to go through these two very intriguing prospects, Fong. Hello. So, um, what do you? Just a quick uh, TLDR, I guess. Um, do you like these guys? I guess. Uh, in my opinion, it, I mean, of course, we have the ninth pick. I think James Book Knight is a good candidate. I still think Moses Moody and Zaire are still top of my list before James Book Knight. Uh, but for Chris, yeah, not Chris Burt, Kispert, I believe it, he's more of a trade down. Like we trade our pit down and maybe get uh, some assets along with it and uh, pick him instead because he's more of a, I guess, a, has more of a supporting role. Kind of like, we'll, we'll get over it when we get to him. Well, yep, you just give a pretty good preview of Corey Kispert. We're not going to go over Corey Kispert just yet. We're going to go over James Booknight first. Now, to start off, he is a 6'4 half guard. I did see somewhere where he was, I think, 6'4 in shoes, which kind of concerns me. But, you know, he's he's listed at 6'4 and a 6'8 wingspan, a 6'8 and one quarter uh, wingspan. So... Those are his measurements. He is a sophomore, uh, so I think he's just—I think he just turned 20. I don't remember his exact age, but well, let's start with him. He is a guy that goes out and gets buckets, and yeah, he's a very athletic uh, player. Like, in a way, kind of deceptively uh, athletic. For some reason, when I look at him, I just don't think it, like athletic and explosive. He's a he's good finisher. Uses his body very well and loves loves the hesitation dribble. Like you know the fake pickups. You know the the kind of just like basic kind of like the Brandon Ingram move where he holds the ball like really to, like far to the side of his body for for a blow by. Um, loves, you know, the step back and off the dribble pull-ups. He goes out and gets buckets. Yeah. Along with that, he is, you know, that kind of aggressive driver, kind of like a Fox, yeah, Fox-esque type player, I guess you could say. And, uh, yeah, he's really good when it comes to that one to two feet of space. And, you know, when you give him that one or two feet of space, he can shoot. And he can dunk. And he, I believe, uh, I've read he, I mean, if anyone cares, that he could be a potential candidate for next year's uh, dunk contest if that ever happens. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think of that. For some reason, I just don't see him as an athletic. I don't know why. Like, there are clips of him, like, dunking all over people. Or not all over people, but, like, you know, strong dunks. But for some reason, I just don't see that. I don't know, but but the main thing with him is like, you know, if you give him space, he can shoot it or he can get ahead of steam. And when he gets the rim, he is a great finisher. Uh, I didn't, well, I actually don't have it down here. I think he shot like just like over 30, 63% at the rim, which is important because he gets the rim a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, however, his shooting numbers are not good. Uh, 26% uh, or 29% last year from three. And 32% for his college career. 
But overall, I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think it's more of a shot selection issue where he takes some up pull-ups and hold on. Give me a second. Sorry. Okay. Sorry about that. And for some reason, I kept, I thought like, uh, like a cat was yelling outside or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to leave this in. Uh, anyways. Uh, yeah. So he's a good free throw shooter. And yeah, I think the 32% from three is more of a shot selection issue than really an actual problem with his mechanics or his shooting touch. So I, I'm not that worried about his shooting, but like he's going to have to clean up his shot selection. Mm-hmm. So going back about his finishing, yeah, you were right about his 63% uh, going into the rim, which uh, is about 37 out of 59, I believe. And the, some articles mention uh, you should look at the 59 more because he does get to the rim a lot. And that's uh, pretty good. Uh, you know, he could draw the foul, of course. And, uh, of course, he's that good finisher, like he has said. And uh, they have mentioned he has that kind of scores mentality, which, in a way, when I saw that, it was kind of 50-50 for me because I don't want him shooting too much if he were to be on the Kings. I want to have him, you know, have uh, quality shots. I guess you could say, you know, because when I hear about scores mentality, I can't, for some reason I think of Buddy Heald. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Although, he, he, I mean, I think even at this point, he's a better guy. He's better at creating space than Buddy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Buddy just doesn't have the handle and... Uh, he like book nights handles that like amazing but he does actually create pretty well i feel and i don't think it's going to be an issue like in the nba like i think that'll translate pretty well but we'll, we'll we'll get to we'll get to his scores mentality in a bit and how it can kind of create some issues but uh he, so on defense honestly not like a lot to say about it he he, he was not good overall, like, let's not get it twisted, but he has the tools to be a good defender. You know, he, he's got a 6'8 wingspan for, you know, at six, at saying about around 6'5". So, so, you know, he can, he can guard like, you know, like point guards and like twos, like smaller wings. And, you know, a 6'8 wingspan, it's, you know, it's something you can probably like guard some threes, you know, a little bit of bigger wings, but, but like consistency is kind of the issue. It's just... The, the effort just wasn't there, at the, you know, in college, like whether you want to pin that on him having to carry too much of the scoring load or, you know, if he just doesn't have the desire to play. The matter of fact is he wasn't a great defender, but he did have flashes and he also had flashes as a good help defender. And, you know, like when to help, like to on like pick and rolls, he'll actually help from the weak side. Like, you know, there were clips of him doing it. But again, consistency is more of the issue. And. We'll have to see how that translates into the NBA. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking the potential in terms of defense, but like I said, out of the people that we've uh, looked at so far, he's, in my opinion, third. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to some of his problems. So we talked uh, we talked about like his scores mentality. Well, he 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 hunts shots. He, his first instinct is to get that shot off, and unfortunately, that leaves to, that leaves like him like getting tunnel vision a lot of the time, and like he'll dribble into like double teams and triple teams and just like 
basically gets too deep and is ends up getting stripped or like a turnover kind of gets stuck and kind of falls over sometimes basically it leads to some of his ugliest moments and sometimes like he gets into these spots where like he just shoots a, a tough shot for the sake of shooting a tough shot like he's again he his first instinct is to shoot the ball instead of looking for the open man when he gets into tough uh, sh- tough spots so it's so I don't know how they'll translate. Like if he, you know, if he's willing to kind of like, you know, work on his decision making, like I'm, I'm pretty sure he can turn into a pretty useful player, but like if he, he can't be doing this tunnel vision stuff at the next level, like NBA players will swallow him up and possibly trap him. Like when he get, when, you know, he gets hot and yeah, it's not going to be pretty for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said before, cat in a way reminds me of like, Buddy's mentality, like early on in the last season, you know, in some stints in the previous seasons. But you know, Buddy has improved, and I'm I believe that James Book Knight can improve in uh, this type of decision making. Mm-hmm. And yeah, hopefully with some training, yeah, he can, you know, keep uh, well, improve in his ball handling and of course his security. And yeah, let's let's see. we'll we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, another thing with his like him driving into like weird spots where like he turns the ball over. There are actually a lot of enough clips, not a lot, but there are enough clips where he just kind of falls over and just loses his balance. I don't know if this is going to be a problem. Like some part of it feels mechanical with the way he runs and drives. Like he gets he leans like pretty far like forward, and I I don't know if that's going to be a problem going forward. Like uh, with a lot of draft picks, I always say like once they get into you know a strength training program, they'll balance a lot of these issues out. And I'm on the side of like these issues will solve themselves at the next level when he gets into a, sh- a training program. Like you know hip issues, hip strength, mm-hmm. and just kind of like you know again like getting like str- just stronger can fix some of these issues. But but it's not a guarantee. But I'm leaning more on the side of him being able to fix these like balancing issues these like his shin angles uh hoop intellect uh you know mentioned like his hip uh, strength and balance like i think a lot of these things can be fixed with a good uh strength training program mm-hmm. now other another weakness i uh would like to mention i don't know if you mentioned it already but he has shot eight for 37 on catch and shoot jumpers and uh you know it could have, it, it might improve in the NBA, but he uh, we I guess we also forget to mention that he did come back from a elbow injury in towards the, I believe the beginning of the season. It it was a short time though, of course. Yeah, it's that's not pretty, but like I, I, his mechanics look fine to me. Like that's a lot. Of, like it's not the end all be all, but like when I look at a shooter who doesn't shoot well, I have to first look at his mechanics, and his mechanics look fine to me. I think I think it's a I think it might be an injury issue more than anything. Like his free throw percentage again is good, and that's usually the biggest indicator of whether a shooter is good or not. And again, good mechanics, so I'm not going to be worried about that. Mm-hmm. Would like him to get that percentage of eight for eight for what thirty two? You said thirty seven. Jeez, that, yeah, that's, that's terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, well, let's hope he ups that if he if the Kings do end up drafting him because. You can get all the buckets you want. If you can't shoot the three, it's it's going to be a problem. Like I said, it's just catch and shoot jumpers. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, let's speaking of catch and shoot, uh, Corey Kispert, right? Uh, well, first thing we got to mention, 6'7", with a 6'7 wingspan, so nothing spectacular there, but, you know, good size for a wing. And if you could, if a what, he is so hilariously stereotypical as a, you know, a white basketball player, particularly a white NBA player who's a shooter. If, if you just like, if in a creative player, if you create what, like, you can if you'd like just pick the shooter and you make him a white guy. That's Corey Kispert right there. It's he, you know, he is just like every every kind of not every like white guy who who plays basketball, but like everything about him just screams white guy who can shoot in the NBA to me. So for, first thing I, I say I say about him is a very good shooter. Great great feel for finding open shots. Oh, like great, particularly great at relocating, like finding that open spot where his team can find him. Of course, Gonzaga had a really like, you know, really um, an offense that basically relied on a lot of flow. And he was great at finding the open spots and, you know, finding like open cutting angles. And yeah, just an overall great off ball player. Um, he also cuts to the rim really well and, a, you know, a surprisingly good finisher. You're like, I say he is a stereotypical white guy. He he is that and and a little bit more. Yeah, he's he's not too flashy, of course, uh, like uh, most other NBA players. But, uh, you know, yeah, in terms of finishing, he has finished with a 63.2 percent, which is really, really good, surprisingly. <laughs> And, uh, of course, when he does drive in, like I said, not flashy at all, he uses the rim and body uh, the guy or whoever he's defending pretty well, too. Yeah, like he I mean, like, you know, I don't I don't mean to keep going back to this, but Tim Duncan was the big fundamental. Corey Kispert is the white fundamental, just so so fundamental in just how he finishes like it, he uses his body like i think so well to kind of shield the bo- the ball and like to finish at pretty weird angles but like nothing he doesn't try to be flashy at all it's so just fundamental in how he finishes like just using the body like creating that angle and just doesn't try and force it like he, you know, he's a good finisher around the rim, as I mentioned, like, and you just mentioned 63% field goal percentage. Um, I like the best, one of the most effective scores in the CBB. I'm not even sure what that stands for. And a great transition score. Like, you know, he's good. He's very crafty and smart about how he finishes, as, as we mentioned. And he is great as a trailer. Like you cannot leave him open on the break and college players keep kept doing that. So it basically led to him scoring 1.5 points per possession on, on a transition, which is amazing. So yeah, just an overall like great high IQ player who just knows how to play basketball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, for one is, you know, not much of a playmaker, but you, you know, more of a ball mover and, if he did get drafted to the Kings, uh, we already have the playmaking down with Halburn and Fox. So, yeah, he's good at finding, you know, the open man and, you know, make he does make quick decisions. And in our offense, I, he's more of a guy that I wish Buddy Heald would have been. He, like, in terms of his uh, strengths, he would have 
definitely be a pretty good Buddy Heald replacement, in my opinion, coming out of college. Yeah, so he not he I mean he he's a guy that simply plays the right way. Never tries to do too much and always kind of makes the right decision. Is not a ball stopper at all. Like as you mentioned, just moves the ball really well, makes quick decisions. He he can't really create like, you know, he's not an off the dribble guy by any means. Like he can't, you know, break you down off the dribble, but like he can put the ball on the ground. He's not exactly like you know, he's not like a one demet, a one trick pony, like kind of how Kyle Korver was. He can he can put the ball on the ground and, you know, take one or two dribbles and get to the rim again, plays the right way and plays the white way. Gee. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep going back to that. But is he's so white in the way he plays it's like every single white he is. He is like it's like he was just taught by every single white guy that ever played basketball. Just so fundamental, you know, and just yeah, I I can't get over it. And also it does one another thing he does that I wish Buddy did. He boxes out, you know, six seven. Uh, you know, he's twenty. He, I think he's like twenty three, like by next year. Like he, you know, he's a big strong boy. He's a grown he's a grown as a college player. So he has some good strength to box out guys and. You know, he has the strength to kind of hold off guys who try to bully him. And, yeah, just, again, just does everything right. Like, n- just never tries to do too much. Yeah, in terms of defense, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's leagues better than Buddy. And, you know, coming right out of college to the NBA, I, I think he is younger than what Buddy has uh, told uh, NBA scouts that, uh, yeah, I forgot how old he uh, told NBA scouts that he was. Basically, he was one year older. He his he's one year older than what he was listed at, and and he came yeah. out as a senior as well. Yeah, so. so I think he was like 23 by the time he entered the NBA, so or 24 even possibly. But like, yeah, just, yeah, Kispert, like, like on ball wise, I don't think he's that much better than Buddy, but like he's in the right positions. He knows where to be. Like he. And, like, he can protect the rim a little bit. Like, his wingspan's not exactly impressive by any means, but he's just big enough to, like, be able to make plays a little bit, at least against college players. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the NBA, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to do much to protect the rim, but, like, he had quite a few, like, weak side blocks. Again, in the right places, makes the right play, makes the right read. He's just, you know, he it's just a high IQ player. Yeah. Another thing I'm thinking of is I wonder how uh, his system with uh, his coaching will translate to something like our system, because our system compared to um, Gonzaga's system is not similar at all, <laughs> to be honest. I I mean, like if, he, if we do end up drafting him, the last thing I want to see is him handling the ball and a pick and roll. Like what I want to see is like maybe Halliburton and Fox try and create an opening and he just and he ends up like, you know, if they create an opening, you know, you pass it to someone who finds him uh, open for the three and it's a knockdown three every time is like how I would imagine him fit into the offense. I do not want to see him handling the ball. Mm-hmm. Now. Yeah, let's go over the weaknesses. By the way, when you when you mentioned uh, handling the ball, um, he, yeah, he does lack some foot speed uh, when guarding, you know, a, quote unquote elite smalls or wings. Uh, yeah, he does have pr- pretty slow sidestep in my opinion, and does not stay in front too well uh, from clips that I've seen. 
uh, especially when uh, the uh, whatever guy he's guarding uh, has a point of attack. Um, but he does compete hard, though. Let's just say he is a hard competitor, and he has. I, I'm pretty sure he has won um, the NCAA, uh, NCAA championship at one point. Let me just check that real quick. But yes, he is a. I mean, I'm. I don't think it's. He is a barbecue chicken. Guy. He's a barbecue chicken guy. Like, like NBA guards will hunt him relentlessly. Like he again, you mentioned he does try, but it's he. I, I mean, he is over. Like he does just get blown by and just does not have the foot speed to I think keep up with uh with NBA guards at all. He's gonna have to be hidden on a wing probably at some point, but or like you know basically at all times and maybe he can switch onto the ball every now and then. But like yeah, he's yeah, I think he's gonna get roasted a lot in the like at the pro level. Although I will say, like, in the regular season, it might not matter as much as you might think. And then, like, in the playoffs, as, you know, the, uh, granted, in the West, it might be a bit more difficult. But, like, I mean, the at least, like, on the if, if he ends up on an Eastern Conference team, like, as this playoffs has shown, they have not really faced a team that can actually abuse, like, a, a you know, a terrible defender like Trey Young somehow survived all the way to, you know, the conference finals without getting hunted on defense. Mm-hmm. T- part of me isn't that worried, like, you know, of him being a defensive liability. He's not a defensive liability, but he is going to be a guy that's going to be hunted a lot. Mm-hmm. And he has he did not win an NCAA championship. They lost Gonzaga lost in the finals to uh, Butler. Yeah, I see. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, he, you would think he's the guy that, you know, didn't, didn't win one, but apparently he didn't. I see. <laughs> yeah, and, and as I said, like, um, the bomb ball ability, like, he's just not good defending the ball, but he does try and does have the IQ to, like, at least be in the right positions. But, like, from what I've seen from the clips, like, man, guards are not afraid to attack him. Mm-hmm. Like, again, barbecue <laughs> chicken. They just smell that. Yep. Yeah. Also, with his uh, perimeter defense, I don't, like I said, I don't, I don't remember if you mentioned this, but he does tend to give a little too much space. And at times, at some points, he does give too much space. <laughs> or not too much space, like too little space, I guess you could say. <laughs> and he, uh, yeah, they can shoot over him. So we'll see how he fixes that. And uh, yeah. Yeah, on the Kings, it's going to probably be more of an issue than any other. Like, I think he's going to more or less get drafted by, a, like, you know, a good team. Like, imagine if he wasn't the Sixers. He'd be great with, on the Sixers. Oh, yeah. Like, they can hide him. Like, mm-hmm. but on the Kings, it's, yeah, it's barbecue chicken alert every single time he's on, like, every single minute he's on the court. Like, but again, like, as a weak side helper, like, he, again, he's a good, he has good instincts. He's smart. He can probably find a way to make it work, I think. Mm-hmm. But like on the Kings, unless we trade for more defensive players and like build a better defense, and Luke Wallen has talked about like f- focusing on defense this upcoming season. Like if, if they can fix like some of the key issues that they have, which is a lot of it is on ball, unfortunately. Like Corey Kisper can exist in a, in a good defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to see about our team first. <laughs> yeah, and as you mentioned, he's probably a trade down candidate more than anything. Like. 
I compare him mostly to Cam Johnson, who is not white, by the way. So first time that we mentioned that, you know, Corey Kispert and, you know, doesn't mean I don't mention that he's white. But like Cam Johnson, when that when that pick was made, like a lot of people kind of ridiculed the Suns for him because, like, you know, is a low ceiling guy with not a lot of upside and probably would be good on a good team. But on a bad team, he's going to be wasted. But look at them. They managed to kind of turn the ship around. And Cam Johnson has found a way to contribute. And that's what Corey Kispert can be. And, you know, with a few trades, like to kind of fix some of the some of the shot creation and uh and just defensive issues that the Kings have, I, I think Corey Kisper can't will be a piece for a championship team. Yeah, whatever it's with us or with another team, I, I'm pretty sure he's he would be a pretty good pickup, straight out of college, ready to play. Yeah, and uh, we forgot to mention he's not an on-ball creator. It's just not in his game. Again, just <laughs> so hilariously white. Well, like <laughs> you literally, you literally like white. But Jesus Christ, uh, writes a white player, like write the characteristics of a white player. He just about has every one of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, so, so you know, Corey Kispert will basically be forever known as that white guy from the 2021 draft. So anyways, yeah, so I'm, in, I'm interested in the Kings to look at some of these guys like James Booknight I like, although I'm not as high on him like as I was before, just because of just... Like, I mean, the, his comparison was Jordan Clarkson and that kind of I'm just I'm not the biggest fan of using like the ninth pick for a guy that's going to turn to Jordan Clarkson. Uh, I mean, I, I I originally projected him to be like, you know, kind of like, you know, Devin Booker, <laughs> you know, as a as as his ceiling. But I don't I don't know if that's in his bag. But like, you know, he's going to he's going to be able to score at the next level. And Corey Kispert, like his ceiling is going to be low. He basically is going to be what he is now. And with like, you know, slight improvements throughout his career. But he basically projects to be a Joe Harris, which is, per, you know, that's a perfectly fine player. Like, I love Joe Harris. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it just has to be on like a good team. And hopefully, like if we do draft Kispert. By the time, like, you know, by the hopefully, like, we're a good enough team to be able to make use of Kispert's uh, abilities and, and, you know, Booknight's abilities, maybe like as an off the bench scorer. Like, a lot of this, these these two guys are not franchise savers, but they are pieces to, you know, a good, pieces to a good team, if not a championship team. Yeah. Well, like I said, we'll have to see. Okay, well that's uh that's all the draft stuff out the way. Although we will mention like tips and t- tips and p- pieces there, here and there for the rest of our podcast. We're gonna talk a little bit about the news, the happenings around the rim, the rim, the the <laughs> the NBA. Uh, cannot talk. Um, so let let's first uh let's first start with um you know my favorite draft pick Mo- Moses Moody. Uh, Moses Moody um took play took part in a poll that. I forgot who ran it, but basically uh, the the poll asked if Kings fans wanted uh, Kai Jones or Moses Moody, and you know overall I think I think Moses Moody ended up winning the poll, but Moses Moody voted for Kai Jones, but then someone messaged him and because someone caught that, and Moses said this is not about like you know me not wanting to play in Sacramento. He he said I would love to play in Sacramento, it's just it'd be weird to vote for myself was what he said. Uh, what's your take on that? 
uh, <laughs> that, that's unusual. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I, I can't tell to be honest. It's it's kind of fifty fifty when it comes with uh maybe he is he doesn't want to play, but I mean if he if he's that kind of guy who uh you know doesn't want too much I guess you could say praise upon himself. It's that kind of guy. I don't know. I mean, you know, I will say, like, he, he's already, like, t- it seems like he's already taken media training because he basically said a bunch of words without saying anything. <laughs> like, ultimately, it's a very diplomatic answer. I don't know. Like, I, I imagine, like, he, he means well. Like, it is, I mean, it is kind of an egotistical move to, you know, vote for yourself. Like, yeah, you know, that in itself brings a whole other can of worms all, the, all on its own. But, like, I mean... I don't think he wouldn't mind coming to Sacramento. Like, you know, just, you know, armchair psychology here, I guess, or making a, making a fun little prediction. Like, I, I mean, I don't think he would mind coming to Sacramento. Um, and it, this ultimately probably is nothing. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. It's it's some news about the Kings. Because there is there really isn't that much, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's probably nothing, but it, I mean... If it's something like what Harry Giles did back in what was it, high school about uh, what he said about Sacramento, uh, then yeah, I'd probably think otherwise. But you know, if if we draft him, you're just gonna have to deal with it. <laughs> and hey, I mean, like if you want like low expectations, and if you want just like the fan base to love you for simply, almost simply ex- like existing and just playing hard. I mean, Sacramento's the place. Like, we love guys that play hard, and we love guys that are just simply average. Like, if you're just average, you are loved in this city. Because this mm-hmm. this, fran- this fan base has suffered, and we are willing to cheer for anything. You know, not, not to self-deprecate ourselves too much, but, like, that that's the fact. Like, you know, Iman Shumper gave us, what, 40 games and is a folktale legend here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... You know, basically, if you want, like, if you want to be showered with love from the fan base, like, this is the place to come. Oh, yeah. I uh, just want to quickly mention another thing about uh, Moses Moody. Uh, so there was a Clutch Clutch Sports, the organization that uh, Rich Paul runs that is that may or may not be run by LeBron. Uh, they hosted, I believe, like a, like a mini All-Star game type thing to kind of showcase, like, you know some of the rookies that are coming in, like some some people from this uh, some pe- some of the people from this draft class. Like Jalen Johnson was there, and uh, I think Kai Jones was there as well. And uh, Perkins apparently was commentating there, and he called Moses Moody Moody Moses. <laughs> For some reason made me laugh way more than it ever should. But it, I don't. I guess my main thing is like, what what is Kendrick Perkins? He just is he just doing this on purpose? Like just being the stupidest person to ever exist? Is he is still is he still like a, a commentator for what was it ESPN? Oh, uh, he is. Yes, he does have oh. his job. Oh, I, I haven't heard from him in a while, but it doesn't sound too uh, bright when it comes to uh, the sport anymore. I mean, like it's clear he didn't study up on the draft at all, but like it's just. Like at least get the dude's name right. Just say Moody, <laughs> like and someone looks. 
I don't know. It's just, it isn't an act because every time I see, any time, like on Twitter, I see Kendrick Perkins, he is out there saying something stupid. It's almost like he just, is he just trolling? Because, I mean, if he is trolling, it's working. Like, it's get he gets people riled up and gets people to tweet at him. Like, I do wonder if it's an act because, he, he, I mean, he's turned into black Skip Bayless. He really has. Mm. Yeah, that's why I said or thought about Ryan Hollins when he uh, got that kind of job as well. Speaking yeah, of which, is he still there? I I don't know. <laughs> I would be surprised if he is, but I mean, he is a I uh, I guess he's more of a reality type figure than a analysis. I mean, Ryan Hollins did get Luca right, so you gotta give him credit for that. That. I guess absolves him from a lot. Kendrick Perkins does not have that. He's only, he's basically exclusively said stupid shit. <laughs> I don't know what his deal is. He's just, I don't know. Like, I, I really didn't like what Kendrick Perkins said about the uh, Chauncey Billups stuff. And uh, yeah, he's, he's just out. He's just there to just piss people off, I guess. And it's working. I mean, I'm talking about him right now. So yeah, yeah. there's that. Uh, anyways, let's, let's move on. Um, so uh, another piece in King's news, uh, Buddy was on the Posted Up podcast with Chris Haynes, and he basically did a pretty insight, not insightful, he didn't really say that much, but like, you know, it's just him kind of opening up a little bit. Uh, he he said um, on the pod that it's on the players to figure it out about, you know, this past season and like some of their struggles. And, and he says it's on the players to figure it out and it's not on the coaching staff to actually do it for them. Like they they need to take charge and basically do do what's asked on the court, do the right things on the court um, to, in order for them to be a good team. Um, thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a very nice uh comment from a buddy but uh i wished it happened earlier within the season for him too so i don't know so yeah we'll have to see how they improve as players and uh you know i guess we'll uh, i mean kind of also want to see what kind of plays the coaching staff has uh drawn out for next season as well yeah um yeah, I, I mean that I've been kind of seeing that seeing that praise. I mean, I get that from you know Kenny Caraway and Jason Jones and those guys. Like, you can blame Luke Walton all you want. At some point, you have to look at the players and just ask, why are you guys not playing with any fire or desire? You guys, why are you guys not recognizing the sense of urgency that you know you're down ten, you need to turn it up now before it's too late. Like at some points there needs to be that leader out there to like getting everyone organized and hopefully that is Tyrese next season and you know Fox improves as a leader as well. Like at, like the coaching staff can't can do what they can do. Like you know you have like really good coaches like Monty Williams. Monty Williams is a great coach and you can just tell that by the way his team plays. But like it's also on Chris Paul and Devin Booker to lead by example. Mm-hmm. Like you you need players to be able to do like be the floor generals. Like you can't always blame it on the on the head coach. And sometimes you really do do have to find a way to hold the players accountable. So yeah, like I said, well <laughs> again we'll have to see. Uh. Um, he also I I don't think he say dodge the question. So uh, Chris Haynes asked him whether he'll you know basically about the trade rumors and if he thinks he'll be on the team next season. 
And Buddy gave a pretty diplomatic answer and basically just said, it's out of his control. He's just going to, you know, do what he can and, you know, control what he can control. And it's up to Vivek and Monty to figure out if they want to trade him or not. Or not, he didn't say in that way, but like he said, like, that that's for that's for Monty and Vivek to figure out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see about that because I have no idea so far on what uh, potential trades uh, Monty has in store. I'm not going to save event because I hope it's all Monty at this point. Yeah, I mean, the word, I mean, from, I, I guess from like what I've heard, from like how I feel, like from what I read and hear, the Vex seems to have taken a step back for the most part, I think. Well, hopefully that hopefully that is the actual case but oh man yeah. if he if he's if he's here like influencing decisions and kind of forcing Monty to do things he doesn't really want to do man um so the next thing that uh, was notable on the post up podcast was buddy still believes he's a starter but you know he but he also believes that every player thinks they're a starter and that you know that that's the mentality they got to go in with and uh yeah um do you think he's going to start next season, I guess? I want him as a six man. I'm That's what gonna... I want to. Yeah. Like, his offense is kind of there in a way. His defense is definitely not there. <laughs> definitely with whatever um, players we're going to have out there, our defense is going to tank hard with him there. So, yeah, him coming off the bench for sure will provide a lot of uh, more, I guess, offense in a way. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, I, like, I, I think you're a little hard on Buddy. I mean, the, the entire team didn't defend. It, it's not a, it's not mm-hmm. a Buddy thing. Although, you know, he's he's very much a symptom, like one of the big bigger causes of it. But like, you know, it, it's I don't think he's like as big. He does try. Like that's one thing you can you can give him. He just doesn't have to feel for the defense. But yeah, I'm on the same boat as you. I think he, I think he needs to be a six man if he's gonna stay on this team. You know, salary salary be damned. But like, yeah, he is he's he is a he's a good bench player because he he really he's a flamethrower. Like he can come in and just go get buckets and you know nail nail threes like in just basically like nail a bunch of threes in quick succession like. You know, it's it's just that when you play him for too long, his his defensive weaknesses start to show, and like I just feel he can't. Like when he comes off the bench, he usually is like the designated scorer out there. And but when he's playing with the starters, like De'Aaron needs to be the designated scorer. And because Buddy's out there, he he kind of takes not a back seat, but he's not as aggressive as he needs to be. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you can kind of split those, like split their minutes a little better, like you can always have a, have a very good designated attacker on offense. Mm-hmm. So that's the way I see it. I think he, I think he needs to come off the bench, and uh, you know, I think that's better for the team. I, I get that, like you know, you want to be a starter, but like, I mean, he finished, he finished basically every game last year, like. You know, a lot of people were complaining that he was in the game, but like the best lineup for the Kings was, you know, that small ball lineup with Barnes at the four, Rashawn at the five and uh, Buddy at the three, basically. Mm-hmm. So, like as long as he's I mean, I that that's the way I see it. As long as he's like closing games, I don't know what the hell he's complaining about. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I hate to use this phrase again, but we'll have to see. We will have to see. I'm, I'm gonna get a soundboard one of these days, so you don't have to say that anymore. Right. <laughs> Anyways, uh, buddy, buddy also talked about um, Marvin, and he, basically about the kind of some of the struggles that Marvin has gone through, and you know, he he basically says he sees him work hard. And, you know, he just needs to stay healthy and prove himself. He's a talented guy and he just needs like a, he just needs the like the opportunity to be able to show what he's got. And a lot of it is just, you know, him just needing to stay healthy. And uh, yeah, that's that's what Buddy said about him. We're not going to go through that too much. But and lastly, uh, Buddy cre- credits Dave Yeager and a lot of other people like he credits Iman Shumpert, uh, basically guys on that 2019 uh, Kings team or helping him kind of turn the corner as a player because, you know, that was his breakout year and mm-hmm. that was basically what got him paid. Oh yeah. Ah, man. Yeah. Those were, those were the years. I wish, well, uh, I mean, at the time, I guess players and of course the office didn't like Dave Yeager, so can't say much about him, but definitely wish we had a guy like Iman back to be that, you know, vet for uh, the guys in our locker room. Yeah, um, this it's just in, it's just kind of fun for me to see him at least credit Dave Yeager. I mean, to be fair, Boogie actually credits uh, George Carl for opening, you know, opening up his game, and you know, we we know their relationship. <laughs> so I mean, it's it, it's good to see his you know mature enough to actually talk about it because like there are people that like straight up don't acknowledge like you know players that they didn't like on their team or coaches that they don't like. You know, it's it's good to see like you know Buddy actually like actually acknowledge Dave Yeager. I think it might be one of the first times he's done in public. I think mm-hmm. I don't remember the another time. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, where is Dave, by the way? Uh, he's an assistant coach on the Sixers. Oh really? Oh man. Okay. Which makes the Sixers trade uh, interesting, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, and speaking of Sixers trade. Like, you know, there uh, there was a report that came out uh, saying that, you know, amongst amongst, you know, many other teams, Sacramento is very interested in a in a Ben Simmons trade. And I'm going to I'm going to run these deals through you. These are just some of the ones that are thrown out in the Mark Stein article. OK, yeah. I, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I'll try not to look at the deals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> OK, so basically the, if it. If there are no deals that come up from another team, okay, there are no good. Basically, their their asking price right now is an all-star caliber player back for Ben Simmons, and if that doesn't materialize, one source says Marvin and Buddy, which is a good start. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at least three picks would be a deal that the Sixers will be looking for. Ooh. Wait, first round picks, man. First round picks. Oh, yeah, the second round picks. Fuck yeah, I give up three second round picks, but <laughs> no, three first round picks. I wish it wasn't three, maybe one or two, but that's uh, that, that's pretty low for Ben Simmons standards. But uh, yeah, I think I would do it. Yeah, I mean, like three picks is pretty steep. I would find a way to talk them down in a two, but again, you're you're, you're talking, you're asking them to take on Buddy and Marvin. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, it's 
I mean, again, I, I, I am all in to try and get Ben Simmons as long as the asking price isn't too ridiculous. And I don't think this is too ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, the only thing I will say is, like, picks to the Sixers don't make a lot of sense because they're trying to win now. They're not tanking. Like they, you know, depending on Embiid's health, they they have a they're on a bit of a timer. So like I don't I'm, like sure picks sound nice and they can probably turn those picks into players, but like it doesn't make sense to me that they would want picks. If if it, they are like asking for picks, it's th- it's to reroute them to for players. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just I, it's hard for me to see a package that the Kings can come up with without one of Fox or Halliburton. And that's what we're going to talk about. The other one, the other package, they didn't spe- they didn't really specify. Another source said it would take at least one of Fox or Halliburton to get the deal done. That is... Would you put them on the table? For me, no. I'm going to say this first and foremost, no. And it's more understandable in the, I guess... Sixers standpoint because you know they they're, they're gonna be tough when it comes to trading Ben Simmons and definitely yeah they need a uh, Ben Simmons replacement when it comes to going back to the playoffs and definitely Fox or Halburn will be the ones to bring them there uh, or bring them back of course um, yeah did you mention if there was gonna be picks involved as well. So I don't think, you know, so there were no picks involved, I think. I didn't read the actual article. I mainly read it from Twitter. <laughs> so yeah. not not the most reliable source, but it would, the package will be set around one of Fox or Halliburton. And yeah, um, I, I said no to this. I like if I want, I want th- that trio, <laughs> Simmons, Fox and Halliburton, like oh. Barnes is far as, is as far as I'll go like that. I don't want to trade one of our cornerstones for a guy that, ha- again, has a lot of issues, but is a transformational player. He's not transformational transformational enough for me to put in one of our foundational pieces. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll, they'll be in the playoffs regardless if they have you know uh, Ben Simmons or not. It's about in the playoffs, and Fox Fox would help them. Halliburton would help them, I think. Like, you know, uh, like the my main... Like if I was to, if they wanted Halliburton really badly, like if that's what it has to take, I would find a way to just talk Daryl Morey into taking DeLon Wright instead somehow. Okay. <laughs> because I mean I know I know that's not gonna happen just because Daryl Morey isn't I don't think can be talked down like, I mean DeLon Wright is 29 and like he's a he's a ready vet player, you know he's ready to play. Mm-hmm. Like he's you're not worried about like him having to develop or anything. You're not like pushing pushing the can down the road. Like if you want to win now, like DeLon Wright is a guy that can I think can provide much of what Halliburton can do. I think not mm-hmm. to that level, but he can do a lot of those things. But yeah, it, that's the thing that makes it tough for me. I just don't I don't think the Kings have enough. Like you you, you would have to include Barnes there, and that makes me a bit queasy and. I mean, we'll see. Like, although I will say, mo- most other packages don't exactly make sense either. Like, I guess like D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley, like from the Timberwolves, and like whatever the hell you can get from Cleveland. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't think this will happen. But like, Dame somehow gets the Dame or CJ to Philly would would probably be a pretty decent thing. But I don't know if the Sixers do that. 
thing. Huh. Like we might legitimately have a have a good package for them, a comparable package. And the Warriors packages don't make any sense to me. So, yeah, like we, I mean, I, I don't know what the market is. The market is is dictated by what someone is willing to pay for, and I'm not sure. Like what? Like you know, just off the top of your head, what All Star could you trade for Ben Simmons? Uh, like again, Dame is probably one of them, but like I don't know if Portland does that. Beal. Beal, that'd be interesting. Beal is technically not available, like as all the reports say. Mm. Beal well, would be great, yeah. <laughs> Beal would yeah. be great. You never Russ, know. Russ and yeah. Simmons, uh, that that's an adventure <laughs> to think yeah, of. But... That's... Yeah, it's, there's not really much. You think a free team uh, trade will be possible? So that's where it gets really wonky because when you have three teams involved, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Like my main thing is like Buddy somehow getting Buddy to Philly, possibly Barnes, and picks to be rerouted to another team. And maybe and somehow like Indiana's the one I'm kind of zeroing on. Like Miles Turner either ends up back on ends up on the Kings or the Sixers. Hmm. Like that's kind of my that's kind of the way I look at it. Like it solves some of some of the Phillies issue shooting, like having kind of a backup five that can also that can definitely play the four. Although they didn't work with Al Horford, so I don't know. I don't know if Miles Turner is a you know, I don't know if Miles Turner Miles Turner would work, but theoretically in my head he works. But like, I, if we can find a way to somehow get Miles Turner on the Kings, that'd be pretty amazing. But like, yeah, the end the the possibilities are endless with three team trades. So I, I'm not gonna dive too deep into that. But yeah, these are the two main packages that I'm seeing like being floated out there, mm-hmm. and it might be the closest that the Kings can get to getting Simmons. Yeah, first package is what you know like i won't but definitely will not probably work out in daryl maury's eyes second package yeah <laughs> daryl maury's like we're going in <laughs> we we will take fox off your hands but yeah i don't know this is it's gonna be tough but i don't think this trade will happen if it does it'll be a blockbuster i feel and I think, like, again, if we if we can keep uh, Fox and Halliburton and hopefully Barnes as well, that's a really damn good team. Oh, man. Interesting to figure out, but, like, I think, you know, you get the talent first before you, you know, and just figure it out from there. I think that's a great place to kind of start. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if if Simmons doesn't end up working out um, in terms of trading, getting him to Sacramento... Well, another guy that I'm really high on just buying low on after a very shitty um, uh, playoff run, Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma is, is a guy that, at least from reports that I've read, although to be fair, not exactly verified. Um, like he wants out, he wants out of uh, the Lakers, and also another kind of development. Trez also seems to want out of the Lakers as well because he was not happy about getting benched in that Sun series where. He was unfortunately unplayable just because of his defense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, chances are what will happen is that he's going to opt into his contract. He has, a, I think, a $9 million or $10 million player option. And he's okay. going to opt into that, and then he's going to get traded somewhere else. Mm. And I think the I think the Kings kind of make sense. Yeah. 
Like the you know, Buddy to the Buddy, like, you know, the Lakers need shooting. They were not a good shooting team last year. And you know, he fixes a lot of that, and you can find other pieces to kind of supplement what else, whatever else you need. But it does solve one of their biggest issues, which is shooting, and Buddy Buddy can, will provide a lot of that. And Kuzma is a good player, up against a god-awful playoff run. But, like, you know, he's a, he's a, very, he's a good defender, a, a, solid enough, uh, a solid enough offensive player, and, you know, is a good, a big guy. <laughs> like, 6'9", could play the 3 or the 4. And possibly even the five if you want to go crazy. And Trez, Trez would bring the fire that the Kings have needed for so long. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he he I mean, he'll be a playoff. He'll be a problem in the playoffs and for the Kings because you you can't play him in the playoffs. But like, I mean, we're just stop. We're all, we're just about getting to the playoffs. Like, let's worry about that when we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, from the previous episode that we've done about comparing. Kuzma and KP. Um, yeah, this uh, this uh, trade is pretty intriguing, in my opinion. Uh, of course, we get Kuzma and Montrez. You know, he he's always been a king's killer for us, so that would take him off the board for us. But uh, yeah, that'll be a good backup uh, big for us. And Kuzma, I think he will definitely be on our four, our starting four. Yeah, and that, yeah, I don't see him coming off the bench. Uh, yeah, I think no. he's got to start. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that that way's Marvin. <laughs> What's Marvin gonna do? I guess. Again, reroute him to a third team. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Just, <laughs> I'm so done with Marvin. I'm just like, yeah, just just get him somewhere where he's happy and and you know, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with him. Like, you know, there's a lot of talent there, and uh, you know, we wish the best for him. We'll kind of love you here, but. Like after you kind of blew us off the way you did, but like you know, you know we'll we'll we'll, we'll kind of cheer for you from Sacramento. Yeah, I'll I'll still support him. Probably not as much as other like former Sacramento Kings players from us, but uh, I'll still support. Yeah. Um, wink, wink. I mean, Trez. Uh, I'm I'm actually like really high on Trez on the Kings. Just again, uh, talk about toughness. That man is tough, and that man will get up in people's faces and fight people. Like, that's a tough man. And yeah, I mean, again, it's a it's a problem when you get to the playoffs. But again, let's get let's get to the playoffs first, and we might end up erecting a statue of Trez in Golden One. Just like Kings fans will love this man. I will get Jersey if he is a game changer for us. I mean, like he is. He is willy, but like just compressed into seven, into yeah. you know a six seven body, and with fire. Like he actually has the fire. Oh dear gosh, Willie Cauley Stein. Huh. He, he's a free agent, by the way. No, he he has a team option. So he might be a free agent. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if Dallas will sign him again. Uh, how much? No, I, I was waiting for you to say I don't want him. I would take Harry Giles back before Willie Cauley Stein. <laughs> oh boy, if he comes back, that's gonna be hilarious. I would be sad. He would definitely be third, maybe fourth option if that's even possible. Yeah, maybe. Like if his ego can take it. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you start or would you put him out before uh, Whiteside if for some reason we still keep Whiteside? Well, that's a question for you to decide because I would say yes because <laughs> you you're the one who hates him. <laughs> Whiteside or uh, Whiteside? Whiteside. 
Yeah, I, I think I would start uh, Willie over Whiteside, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's a tough one. Like, at least Whiteside will wave a wave a hand around. I don't even know if Willie can do that. Wait. I think I mixed them around. <laughs> I think I said I would start Willie instead of Whiteside. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's like death death by a thousand cuts or death by, you know, what's the saying? I, I forgot. Basically, it's a, it's the, like the shitty, it's two very shitty options. And yeah, best of luck to Willie. Um, he, I think he'll find another, some team. Maybe like Cleveland will take a chance on him or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Um, last bit of Kings news. Uh, Terrence Davis reportedly will, I think, decline his qualifying offer. I don't remember the specifics, but basically he wants to get $9 million in free agency. And, uh, yeah, from what I'm hearing, he's probably not going to get that. But, you know, like, what do you think of this request, I guess? It seems like a lot, in my opinion. I would re-sign him for maybe six or seven million uh but yeah i i like him as a backup uh so yeah nine million is a little too steep especially with our uh, money situation right now so yeah six or seven is good enough for me yeah although that's actually a bit he might not get anything more than three like is what i'm hearing like it's really, I mean, it's, he's in a weird position. So he's a restricted free agent uh-huh. and he really hasn't shown that much for like another team to really take a flyer on him, like any significant money basically. And three and like, you know, vet minimum or like, you know, I don't think anyone's going to sign him to the mid level. So like he, his options might like end up just like, I don't think from what I'm hearing, like at least like guys from James, Ham, like James Ham. Like it, it'll depend on the market, but chances are he's not going to get anything over like four million. Like you, you add to you, you add to the fact that you know he's very much unproven, and mm. you know he's a second round draft pick, so that's like there's some tricky stuff in there too. Like second round, or no, he's undrafted. Like undrafted guys like don't can't really get paid a high amount of money when they're restricted free agency. Like, and then you add to that his, you know, his off the court issues, like that kind of almost like James Ham that says, says that that pretty much halves his price. Mm, I mean, shoot, yeah, I, I'll take him for three, four million if that's the case, too. I thought he is in, I guess, in my eyes when we uh, saw him in uh, uh, our team this season or last season, of course, uh, I thought he was worth, yeah, six or seven. But if he's if no one's signing him for three or four million, yeah, that's a I'd say that's a steal. Uh, yeah, I mean, like he, he I think he did play very well towards the end. He kind of finally figured out like his um kind of kind of figured out a rhythm, mm-hmm. and you know as a backup, like that's terrific. Like honestly, at like three million to basically provide much of what, like eighty percent of what buddy provides like that's incredible and plus more no less mm-hmm. like and yeah so I, I think he's a fine player like hope like it seems like he kind of strained himself out for the most part like i think i read that the uh, charges against him were dropped okay better for worse like you know I ho- hopefully he hopefully he does strain himself out because the off the court issues were serious like, mm-hmm. and you know it, it does make it a tricky situation to kind of like root for him as a fan but like 
you know, I, I do believe in, you know, for like forgiving people. And if he doesn't display any kind of behavior like that, like again, I'm, I'm open to forgiving him. And, you know, again, he's a good player and you know, hopefully he does straighten himself out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, oh, also another tidbit. Uh, John Hollinger came out with a new article about like cap space and free agency. So I'm not, so this technically is illegal, like it, like in order to resign Rashawn, like the Kings, you know, depending on what, like what he's asking is eighty million dollars in free agency, which you, and for four for four years, right? Oh, which yeah. chances are is what he's going to ask for, mm-hmm. and the Kings, like just by normal cap space rules, can only offer him a four year about eleven million, like just without moving one of Buddy or uh Buddy or Marvin. The max we can offer him is eleven million, so which means we're probably going to move one of them. And yeah, <laughs> but there is, like, you know, the, you know, it's just there is a bit of a loophole, and I'm not, I'm not saying anybody do this, but like there is a loophole in that you can sign him to a big number for t- for a two year contract with a player option for the second year, because the reason why we can't sign him to more money right now is because we don't have his bird rights and if you guys don't know what bird rights are it just basically means that you can go over the cap to resign him and basically the the idea that um john hollinger kind of threw out there is that the kings can offer rashawn a 40 million dollar contract a 40 million dollar two-year contract and as a set and then uh, with a player option on the second year and then after this season is done, they can extend him. Huh. So technically, it's illegal because you're not allowed to kind of you're not allowed to basically like you're not allowed to you know talk about next year. Essentially, is kind of, that's not the like the exact rule, but that's basically the idea of it. You can't say like, well, next well next season we're going to offer you this. You you can only talk about this season. This offseason, I mean, and that's the kind of wink, wink thing that the Kings can do to re-sign Rashawn. Like, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll re- we'll sign you to a two-year contract right now for twenty million per, and then by the end of next year, we can extend you, give you like a th- say a three-year extension for sixty million, and that's how they can kind of circumvent. Again, it's illegal. So not <laughs> not not saying that uh, that the Kings do this. You you don't want to lose you know draft picks like the Minnesota Timberwolves did. Um, but that's a, that's kind of a, that's kind of an idea that was floated by John Hollinger. So, you know, that, you know, if, even if, you know, the Kings don't move one of Buddy or Marvin or Barnes, that is something that the Kings can do. And I'm pretty sure like Monty and them are exploring every single option. And from all reports, he, Rashawn Holmes is, is number one priority Mm -hmm. free agency. So yeah, yeah, that's a, just another thing that um, you know, you guys can kind of ponder over and you know, it it's not as hopeless as it seems. Like if you read Twitter, especially if you're if you follow Tim Maxwell, the Rashawn Holmes situation is absolutely hopeless. You know, there there are ways that there are creative ways that you can resign uh Rashawn Holmes. And you know, of course, you can just move Buddy or Buddy or Marvin for scraps and just to open up cap space. That yeah. is an option. So, yeah. You think Rashawn is worth twenty mil a year? Because in in my opinion, I think he's worth a little less. I mean, I do wish it was more like fifteen mil a year. Um, 
but then again, I do want him back. It's just, man, that price is a little steep. Yeah, for a twenty million dollar per year player, like that's not a, that's probably not going to be an all star, even in the East, probably. Like, if, and like, you know, we 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 haven't made the playoffs yet. Like, and you're paying what? And again, if if we somehow keep Buddy and Marvin, like that's three guys that you're paying twenty million uh, for, and Fox is going to have like thirty some million next year. Like, and you're not a playoff team, like. That's that's terrible. That's terrible <laughs> cap management. And so, no, he's not a $20 million per year player, but like what he brings to the Kings kind of is. Yeah, like, because we can't really afford to lose. It's the same thing like that with Rudy Gobert last year. Rudy Gobert is not a $40 million per year player. But to, but to the to the Jazz, they cannot afford to lose him. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of that same situation. Like I like I mentioned, I love Rashad. He does have his issues, but I'll say this: like he'd be, a, I think he'd be a terrific like playoff center. As long as you don't run a Jokic, he'd be barbecue chicken that way. But like <laughs> against like like say against the Clippers, I'm I, I guarantee you the Jazz wish they had Rashad and not have to had to play Rudy Gobert as much as they did. Uh, yeah, I'll just say that. Like so. Yeah, I, I think I think you know. I mean, you pay what the market dictates, but like, yeah, twenty million dollars is a steep price to pay for, you know, an undersized center. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, go ahead. No, no. I was gonna say my famous words. We'll have to see. All right. Well, uh, last um, second to last, thing we're gonna go over just quickly go over because you know, we've run pretty long. <laughs> um, <All right. laughs> so, Team USA. Uh, lost to Nigeria, who um, have like basic, like there, there aren't that many guys I can name from Nigeria is, is <laughs> kind of what I'm getting at. Um, Metu is on the team. That's pretty cool. He's coming off the bench. Uh, Precious Achua is on that team. Gabe Vincent from the Heat is on that team. And uh, there's, I think there might be another NBA player in there. But And then they lost to Australia, um, who have Joe Ingles and, you know, Pat, you know, Olympic Patty Mills, who's like Steph Curry, apparently, in, yeah, in FIBA. Yeah. I know, and yeah. So, yeah, they've lost twice. They, they did beat Argentina, but, uh, I mean, Luis, like, I am guess I guess it's an accomplishment not to get beaten by Luis Scola, apparently now. So, yes. I guess my point is, what the fuck is wrong with Team USA? I, who knows? <laughs> I look at the team, it looks pretty uh, pretty standard, like a pretty standard Team USA team to, you know, maybe sweep the Olympics, but man, uh, they're not playing well with each other, let's just say, I guess. A lot of, I did read, a lot of people mentioned, like, I mean, like, some of these guys just look out of shape, because, like, you know, they, they've had a certain layoff, and, like, if you want to keep in basketball shape, you have to constantly play. Like, it's tough to just get back into shape and like it looks like they're trying to feel each other out like i mean th- i mean all these guys are used to being the man and like they have to kind of like know their role find their role a little bit i mean even the dream team had this actually like if you look at the dream dream team documentary they lost to the to a college team of uh bobby hurley and chris weber <laughs> like in 92 like yeah like sometimes like it's just it's it's crazy to say like the this team has too much talent 
and you have to kind of figure out like your role and like how you can kind of not step on each other's toes and find basically find your comfort spot in. It's probably gonna take some. It'll take some time, but you know I think they will figure it out because I mean that's a lot of talent. Like the fact that you have KD on that team, like I think that's enough to win you the gold medal. My mm-hmm. opinion. But, oh yeah. You know, like theoretically, I mean to be, and, and, but like at the same time, like what the fuck? How'd you lose to Nigeria and Australia? Australia is a bit more understandable, but like Nigeria. <sighs> yeah, they. I don't know. Like we, we saw some clips. It, it, what kind of messy? <laughs> to be saying? fair, they hit a they hit a bunch of three. I think they were like twenty for thirty from three, or twenty for thirty something from three. Like they were hot from three. And all the credit in the world to Nigeria. They came to play, and the U.S. didn't, and they took advantage. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, I mean, the main thing that sticks out to me, like they had Dame, they had KD. I guess J- Jason Tatum's out there too, but like I think he's a tier below the, the two I just mentioned. Um. And Zach Levine on the court. And there was another guy on the court, but I forgot who. And basically, they give the they inbound the ball to Dame, who stands there for some reason. Like, I would have just had him take take one from 40 feet. Like, honestly, that's a, not a bad shot. Mm-hmm. So he waits. And for some reason, I think the play got botched. But basically, what ends up happening is that he just passes the ball to Zach Levine, who gets, I think, yeah, he gets fouled. But the fact that it ended up in Zach Levine, of all people's hands, like, where's kd kd come get the ball or again damian lillard just shoot it from 40 feet i don't care like you're that is a good shot for you (laughs) so yeah again they're trying to feel each other out but yeah it's it's too much talent and man like what what's going on yeah i mean they figured it out when it came to the argentina game so hopefully from here on out we'll start seeing a lot more wins and not losses, so yeah. And these losses were, I guess, kind of close. Was it? Was it close? I don't remember the scores. They, they were pretty close. I think like uh, Nigeria was like by one possession, and then Australia was yeah, basically close up until like the last minute. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, we'll have to see when the actual Olympics roll around and. Uh, We'll see who the real gold medalists are. Uh, however, they will be going without Bradley Beal, who was in COVID um, or health and safety protocols, they call it now. Um, mm. uh, Jeremy Grant has also entered it as well. Oh, dear goodness. And Beal is actually out of the Olympics now, officially. And they are looking for a replacement. I did read on – it's on Twitter again. I did read on Twitter. I think Tobias Harris is – is likely well they're trying to get tobias harris right now but it could end up being like a, a lot of other players like trey young was tweeting about it he wanted to he's, in, he's injured so i don't know oh. what he's talking i don't know what the fuck he's talking about but it, like you know trey young wanted to be on that team um just some people threw out halliburton and fox's name like not and like that's and this is the national media like it's not just king's fans like they wanted those two guys on the team but We'll see. I don't think there's been an update yet. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather if Beal was out, I'd rather uh, replace him with a, another guard. I mean, having Tobias out there. I mean, we already have uh, quite a few bigger guys out there. Uh, we got enough bucket getters. We yeah. got enough bucket getters already. And I mean, there's Katie and then there's Jason Tatum. I think those are the big guys we already. 
Yeah, you never know. We might need a we might need a, a mellow on the team. Oh, <laughs> what you think mellow should come back? I mean, some people were actually calling for it. <laughs> But like, I mean, like Tobias Harris, what I mean is can can be playing the mellow role where like, you know, he's easily like the fourth best player on any given possession on Team USA. And the focus just isn't on him and his job is to hit open threes. Uh, Maybe he can do it. Maybe. Sure as hell doesn't do it on the Sixers, but, you know, maybe he can do it in the Olympics. Who knows? Yeah, just maybe. (laughs) And also because of uh, health and safety protocols, which uh, might be a preview of the Olympics and kind of makes me question why it's happening. Game with Australia tomorrow uh, is going to be canceled on Friday the 16th. So, yeah, not not good. <laughs> um, well, yeah, we'll see what comes of that. But, like, I, I'm not a fan of the Olympics continuing to go on. I personally wish it be canceled because japan is still in a state of emergency and i don't know why the olympics are still going well i know why money but you know like is is it is it like that you know just the sake of humanity but this is i mean i know it's stupid because money rules everything but like i mean it's just can we just think of the bigger picture for once and just not worry about money yeah well it's not it's not our money, so. Yeah, very true. So yeah, they'll do whatever it takes for those Olympics to uh, come out, and it's not just basketball too. It's the whole, the whole world, along with all the other sports competing, all in that. Yeah, yeah. I would be heartbroken if water polo was canceled. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, like <laughs> you know, on another note, it's not my money, so I don't care. <laughs> I really don't care if they lose money. Like, you know, like it's, it's, you know, it's just rich assholes getting more rich. <laughs> like, what do I care? Uh, anyways, finally, I guess uh, to end the end the podcast, we did watch Game Four together. That was actually the reason why this episode didn't come out last night because we were supposed to record last night, but I wanted to watch Game Four. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll let you, I'll let you start it. Like, what'd you think of the game? Yeah, that fourth quarter. Um... It was what, just, I guess you could say, back and forth in a way. Uh, you know, Chris Milton is hitting his oh, shot. I thought you were going to talk about the refs. Oh, I'm game to that. <laughs> just you wait. You know, Chris Milton is hitting his shots. Devin Booker just hitting just all these middies and uh, layups and uh, I guess you could say hook shots. And uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about the refs. It's, man... Every, I guess you could say, contested shot or block is very hard to say if it was a foul or not. I would, you could flip a coin, uh, the ref could flip a coin on a contested shot and say whether or not it should be a foul or not. That's how bad the refing was. And man, I, I, I wanted the Suns to win, of course, but man, Devin Booker should have been out a lot earlier and he didn't get his uh six foul by the way at all during the last quarter but man all those all those fouls man it is it's giving me a headache i'm thinking about it people were joking he should have had eight fouls basically because like yeah like the well, well i mean i guess we'll start here but like that's six foul the what what should have been his six foul granted a very stupid play by him to actually take the foul there 
But like for some reason, he mugs uh, Drew Holiday. No call. And it, luckily, Giannis was there to put it back, but that could have been a momentum changer. And that actually probably could decide the series right there. Mm-hmm. Like, luckily, Giannis was there. But, like, before we get to the refs, but, like, I mean, Devin Booker was going off. Like, you know, you would think, like, Devin Booker was just getting jump shots off and just going off. He actually didn't hit a single three the entire game. I like, know. That's you know? crazy. But yeah, he didn't hit a single three the entire game, but like he was just all over the mid range and just like he, you know, the Bucks players were all over him. I don't think he really got that many open looks like, but he just got into his bag and just hit shots over guys like he was on one. Mm-hmm. He ended up what, with 42 points, I think. And I don't think I think like 90 percent of those shots were like hard mm-hmm. like, contested. I forgot what he shot. I think it was like 17 for 28 or something like that. I mean, he was insane that game. But unfortunately, like Chris Middleton was also really good. I'll talk about another guy that never has easy shots. Like he, <laughs> he never like when he shoots, he never gets he doesn't get any elevation. He just shoots with a guy in his face or without a guy in his face. It never seems to matter. And um, yeah, yeah, like you know, Chris Middleton brought it, and you know, unfortunately, Chris Paul was just really bad. Really did waste a really good Devin Booker game. Like something was off with him. Like his bounce passes to Aiden kind of just just weren't there for some reason, and it kind of neutered uh, Aiden too. Like Aiden only had six points, sixteen rebounds, but like, or no, seventeen rebounds, but like only six points. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of that was just Chris Paul was not playing well. Unfortunately, that kind of that kind of cost him the game, and he had the crucial turnover at the end. But, you yeah. know, all the credit in the world to the Bucks for just remaining tough. It was ugly. It was frustrating. You know, you're rooting for the Suns. I'm rooting for the Bucks, and the Bucks are just the most frustrating team to watch. I mentioned that Chris Middleton didn't exactly get any easy looks. Well, the reason why is because their offense is so trash. It's like one screen, maybe, and then they see and then someone tries to score or like maybe like kick it out from a contested three. That was like the gist of their offense and just nothing easy and nothing shows that more than Drew Holiday shooting percentage four for 20 for five from three. Like, <laughs> luckily, they won that game, or if not, because if not, man, Drew Holiday would have been lambasted. And I don't think it's fair to, like, some people were saying, like, he's no better than Bledsoe. He's better than Bledsoe, but, like, looking at that stat line, that's a Bledsoe stat line right there. <laughs> Jeez. But, yeah, I mean, last thing I want to shout out before we get to the ref, that block that Giannis had on Aiden. That is second. That is second. The second best block in NBA's finals history, I think. Oh really? Uh, compared to LeBron's, you're saying LeBron's is number one, uh, like yeah. un- undisputedly. Like game seven, the stakes are so high. Tie game, like you know, that basically won them the title, and like this one probably saved the Bucks in the series. Like that wasn't that was you know a pretty off-target pass. Now that I look at it, like Aiden didn't really get his hands on it, but like. You know, Giannis, like, just the way he was able to turn his body 180 in an instant and off the bad knee, jumps up and and blocks that that lob to save, which leads to a layup, which should have been an and one, an and one, but they didn't get the call. But Chris Middleton did make the shot. That was basically the sequence of the game. And again, the second greatest block in NBA Finals history. 
Yeah, in my recollection, recollection, yeah, recollection, yeah, I don't remember the word, but yeah, recollection. Uh, yeah, I would say so as well. Then again, yeah, like you have mentioned, it did look like he kind of, uh, Aiden kind of fumbled the ball a little, but man, yeah, Giannis was on top of it when it came to blocking the shot. And I wouldn't have minded it if it wasn't a block shot rather than a fumble. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's finally get to the refs. Like, yeah, as we mentioned, that is the, which should have been Booker six foul where he mugs uh, Drew Holiday on the fast break, like doesn't get called. But before that, like there were there were a number of calls that like I think Giannis like traveled on on one play didn't get called, and then. There and um, Booker's fifth foul was actually a pretty bad call in my opinion too. Like that was a weak push, and it was a flop by by Tucker. And of course, it is a foul, and it was really dumb of Booker to do that. But that was a weak ass foul, and it got him his fifth. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have like a myriad of ones where, like Chris Middleton, like got mugged on a number of like layups and just did not get a call. Giannis, I think, like on one on one of the final possessions, kind of pressures Chris Paul, but clearly looks like there's a lot of body contact. There weren't a lot of replays of these, which is why I'm I'm not sure if they're fouls or not. But like my point is, is that this was Game Six of 2002 levels of bad in the Western Conference Finals, (sighs) and had the Bucks lost this game, like I mean, the the rake tweets would have flown. Because, I mean, which does undermine the fact that the refing was horrible on both sides. And, you know, that's kind of what game six, uh, game six of uh, 2002 kind of devolved into. But this was game six levels of bad. Yep. Well, like you have mentioned to me, it all comes down to game five and we'll have to see. And I'm I'm hoping (laughs) in my personal opinion that the Suns will take this game. You're locked into that choice, anyways. I'm locked into I'm locked into the Bucks. I, I, I mean, if you're asking me to say, do do you think that the Bucks are gonna win the win this game? I'm gonna say I hope so. I have no confidence they're gonna win it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely zero confidence because they are their offense is so trash, and they basically just rely on the fast break and the Suns to fuck up. <laughs> so, like, yeah. it's yeah, like I mean, I'm gonna root for the Bucks just the sake of rooting for the Bucks. Uh, yeah, if you're asking me to put money on, I'm not putting any money on the Bucks winning. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if so- somehow, some way, the Bucks somehow won. But, yeah, the inconsistency with the offense, man, that's, yeah, it's just way too hard to watch in. Way too hard on the Bucks to progress and to... A seven-game potential, I guess, if they do lose Game Five. Say the Suns win the NBA Finals. Like, who, who's your Finals MVP? I want to say Booker. Yeah, it's got to be Booker, right? Yeah. I mean, CP3 having this bad of a game, I think, kind of dis- almost disqualifies him from getting the Finals I mean. MVP. Although, if he comes back strong Game Five, I think I think he'll quiet those talks. But like, man, oh, yeah. it was bad. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he, it was like flopping, losing the ball a lot. Uh, I think he only got like one real, I guess, quote unquote, you could say Chris Paul foul, where the ref would call it for him. But other than that, man, he he was 
you could tell that he tried to draw a couple fouls, but yeah, he just lost it a lot of times. I mean, credit to the Bucks for adjusting. They're realizing that Chris Paul can't really get layups anymore. Like they're actually like taking, trying to take away the mid range to actually force him to shoot a layup, which is an int- which is interesting to say the least, because like you know, usually you never do that to any player, but Chris Paul is not any player, and yeah, he he's just you know he's on he's on the you know kind of like the older side. He's 36. Like he can't, he's never been able to really finish well anyways, but mm-hmm. maybe like in his early years before the knee injuries, but like, you know, he's never been a good finisher and they're actually like, the bucks are actually smart to force him to, you know, to force him to make layups. But at the same time, man, he, again, his passing was so off like mm-hmm. five turnovers and they were bad turnovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It costed the game. Definitely. In my opinion. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and on the Bucks side, you got to give all the credit in the world to Giannis, like just mm-hmm. being such a monster. I mean, he has the best plus minus in the entire finals. In the and you for you just about forget this man's knee like almost bent <laughs> bent in half in the yeah. Hawks series. Like, and we were saying like, oh, he's not going to come back until game five. He's not going to come back. Like, he might not be able to come back to the series. He might need surgery. He might be a torn ACL. Boom, back game one, and that somehow looks fine. Yeah, that is superstar quality, definitely. <laughs> like, I I really thought after seeing the injury, he's not going to come back the same. Nope. He, he, he does same. look gimpy. He does look gimpy sometimes. And like, yeah, in, injured players will still have moments, but like, you know, overall they're not as effective, but like, yeah, for him to be able to jump off one on the bad knee to get that block was just the, one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. All right. So, yeah. So you picked the, you picked the bucks or no, you picked the Suns to win game five. I'm yeah. picking the buck, picking the bucks to win game five. And I think whoever wins game five wins the series. Yep. As the famous words has said, we shall see. Okay. Before we close the show, uh, another thing to go through this, uh, been a long podcast, I know, but uh, one more thing that I do want to go over with you, Fong. Uh, so, Money in the Bank is this Sunday, and you know I, I'm just gonna take a wild guess. You haven't been following wrestling, have you? Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, don't, I don't even remember the last time. Probably maybe WrestleMania. Maybe. Well, well, anyways, um, it's that's okay. I'm not gonna quiz you on anything or anything. I'm just gonna read you literally. I'm not even going to go through the entire card with you. I'm just going to ask who you think is going to win out of the Money in the Bank matches because, uh, let's be honest, that's the reason why you watch this pay-per-view. Um, so, um, for the men's Money in the Bank uh, ladder match, it's Ricochet versus John Morrison versus Riddle. Not Matt Riddle, but just Riddle. Uh, versus Drew McIntyre, Big E, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. Who's your pick? Oh man! And let me know if you need to re- me to reread all that. That that's actually a lot of guys. So yeah, let's let's have a quick reread real quick. Okay, again, it's Ricochet, mm-hmm. John Morrison, Matt Riddle, mm-hmm. Drew McIntyre, Biggie, Kevin Owens, uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. Uh... 
I want to be honest, I want Shinsuke to win, but there's another guy I want to win in there too. I think Matt Riddle should also have a chance as well. But I think we all know that Seth Rollins is gonna win this. <laughs> I think. So that's so the interesting thing is I don't have the odds in front of me, although like the the kind of like bet online stuff that doesn't really matter because like wrestling is so wonky in terms of like who to bet to win. But from store, if you're following the storyline, it makes sense for Matt Riddle to win. I don't think I don't think Seth Rollins or Shinsuke, Shinsuke Nakamura have a have a lick of chance of winning it. I'll just say that. If you if okay. you've been following wrestling, so you, mm-hmm. Matt Riddle might be might be a pretty good bet to actually win the uh, Money in the Bank. And honestly, okay. like the marketing's right there, bro in the bank, like it's right there. <laughs> well, we shall see, I guess, if I ever watch it. I'm gonna I'm definitely watching. It. It's it's one of like the you know. I mean, WrestleMania is like one of those events, but like Royal Rumble is number one for me, and Money in the Bank isn't that far off. Mm. Like the Money in the Bank ladder match is always fun. I love multi-person matches because like guys who get to the WWE are great wrestlers usually and like, you know, are very creative. And with like a ladder match such as this, like the creativity is just always off the charts. There's always like, you know, a bunch of spots that are just wow. How in the hell you come up with that? And Ricochet is in the match, so he's going to do some flips. That's what he's there for. Okay. Hmm. So your pick is Matt Riddle, right? Yeah, between Matt Riddle and Shinsuke, but the more you mention it, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's going to be Matt Riddle. <laughs> Shinsuke, by the way, I believe became a king. I, he did not win the King of the Ring, but he is now, I think Michael Cole called him kin, Kinsuke. Kin, Kinsuke. Oh, there's hmm. that. That happened, is he, apparently. Is he still a heel? He is... Oh, I don't even know. He's. I think he's a face right... It's confusing. It, like, Baron Corbin might be going through a face turn right now, but it's actually very unclear if he's actually turning face or not. It's very weird. Oh, I see. Hmm. Well, so, my pick, however... Uh, I'm going to pick Kevin Owens. Or, no, I'm going to pick Big E. Big, Big E is going to be my pick. That's a good choice, too, I'd say. <laughs> I just feel like there's gonna be so there's another match on this card of uh, Bobby Lashley versus uh, Kofi Kingston. Like there's been some talk like Biggie if Biggie wins he might cash it in at the end of the at the at the end of the show to you know basically take the take the belt off of Lashley who's probably winning that match. Ooh, so, there's that. That'd and be it's not team. because all three competitors are black. Like I'm pretty sure someone thought of that, but no, okay. it's the new day, the new day, and like um, Bobby Lashley, they're having a pretty good feud right now. And uh, Big E is in a, is actually on SmackDown, but like that's one very interesting route you can go to kind of semi reunite the new day. But yeah. it, it it's it's an interesting route to go down. I'll just say that. Yeah, sadly, I mean they're still like you said in different uh different shows so i don't know how that'll work yeah, they'll, they'll they'll just randomly transport them over back to raw like it's so they, they ww does not, does not care about continuity and logic like that that <laughs> is for that is clear from <sighs> you know the past 10 years of like wwe programming so we'll, we'll see what happens i'm gonna pick biggie and you picked uh matt riddle 
right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I'll pick that. Well, let's lock it in then. Okay, next one. Uh, women's Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, so here are the competitors. Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, although she's actually called Nikki Ash now, so that's interesting. Oh. Uh, the Ash stands for almost a superhero. Um, uh, that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, she is in a superhero costume now. Uh, Liv Morgan, Zelina mm-hmm. Vega, who's back. Oh, really? Nat- huh. Natalia and TBA, like to be announced, it ended up being Tamina. It was, there was a lot of speculation of, of it being Sonya Deville or Becky Lynch coming back from pregnancy. Uh-huh. Uh, they've announced it. It's Tamina. So, oh. uh, I, I don't mean to like. I'm not. I don't, I don't mean to, for this to sound mean, but damn, that's disappointing. <laughs> Let's see. Do you mind reading it out real quick again? Because it, it is another. Uh, uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, has a lot of guys. Uh, or ladies in this case. Uh, Asuka, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Nikki Cross, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega. Natalia and Tamina. Hmm. I think it's gonna have to be between. Hmm. I guess Liv Morgan and Osaka. That'll be interesting. Hmm. I'm gonna say Osaka because it seems like she's always had terrible runs when it comes to being a champion? I, mm, I, I don't know how to say it. Like, I don't think she's utilized well enough in the WWE in the past, so I don't know how it is nowadays. Uh, it hasn't changed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since NXT, she's just been. I mean, she, she when she came when she initially came into the main roster, she was really good, and then after losing to Charlotte, it just yeah, it just went down the drain, and it's mm. never really recovered from that since. Uh, yeah. Um. I mean, she she lost the um the championship at WrestleMania, and honestly, hasn't looked very good. Mm-hmm. I just don't think WWE likes you know know what to do with her. Or the main roster specifically, and specifically Vince. He doesn't yeah. know what to do with him or her. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I, I want to pick Asuka. I can't just because, like, just following the product, they, they don't see it in, in her. And uh, yeah. unfortunate. So, however, uh, fo- because I'm kind of following the following um, WWE kind of through the lens of WrestleTalk, I'm going to have to pick... Oh, that's actually tough between. So my two choices are going to, well, like, I'm going to narrow it down to these two choices. Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Okay. It's tough. I've, like, my heart wants me to say Nikki Cross because, you know, it'd be a great story. And, like, it's, and, like, her superhero, she, she, she's an incredible in how she's made a very goofy gimmick. Like, mm-hmm. to, you know, the superhero thing. to something very endearing. Because she just has the charisma to pull it off and like turn turn something again goofy as hell to something that's you know that kind of makes her very likable and lovable. Mm-hmm. Like my heart wants to like wants to root for Nikki Cross to win it. I really want her to win it and like that'd be very interesting. Uh, 
uh, likes seeing just how this Alexa Bliss has been booked, which is really strong uh, in the past few months. I I think I'm gonna have to go with I'm gonna go with Nikki Cross. I'm gonna go with my heart on this one. <laughs> I want to say Alexa Bliss. A part of me doesn't see it because it's uh, it's weird to describe, but like I think they're booking her essentially too strong for the money in the bank. They might just get, give her a title shot anyways, like in between. And then Nikki Cross, like you know, I think it'd be more interesting if Nikki Cross wins. So I'm gonna go with Nikki Cross. Okay. Yeah, I should I should search up how her gimmick is. I got I'm kind of interested now. Yeah, you'll you'll find it pretty easily. Um, <laughs> yeah, so you're gonna go with Asuka. I'm gonna go with Nikki Cross, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, well that's about it. I don't really want to go through the rest of the matches because the rest of the matches are you know, a little bit wonky. Um, and honestly, I don't think they're that interesting. So. Yeah, that's going to be our only WWE coverage, and uh, hopefully you know, we'll get a chance to watch it and give our review on it afterwards as well. Mm-hmm. We shall see. All right, yeah, we shall see. All right. Um, yeah, well, so that was our draft episode, and uh, yeah, we've run really long. Um, I guess to close out this episode, I'm still deciding on who we want to do next. Like as I mean, I just told you to take a look at J- Jalen Johnson and uh, like, t- you know, what, what are you, <laughs> what are your thoughts so far? Uh, like at first I thought was like, oh, he doesn't look too bad, and then I look at his weaknesses. I'm like, oh, oh dear God, no, this guy, this guy ain't that. Now <laughs> I wouldn't want to draft him at uh, nine at all. Look, so I, I'm not a fan of him at all. Some guys really love Jalen Johnson. I, I don't really get it. The chances are we're not going to do one on Jalen Johnson. I'm just, I, just, I don't want to draft him. He, he's probably, like, I, I mentioned to you, like, you know, we've done four guys so far. Like, he, we've done four guys so far, and if I was doing a ranking, he, like, Jalen Johnson would be number five, and it'd be, a, like, a distant, distant, distant five. I, I'm mm. not a fan of the game. Like I, I'd rather draft like Zaire Williams or help just go with Corey Kispert if that's the case. Like <laughs> literally any go with Kai Jones. Like maybe we'll do one on Kai Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're probably not gonna do um, Jalen Johnson. Uh, my next guy is like yeah, I kind of want to do Kai Jones, although I'm not the biggest fan of him. Um, another guy that we can probably do is uh, like off the heard, top of my head. I heard like, a lot of Keon. Keon Johnson. I'm not the biggest fan. I do. I would have him over over Jalen Johnson. Is literally yeah. how how much I don't like him. Uh, Keon Johnson. Uh, who else is? I, I don't want to really do one on Davion Mitchell either. It's because I can't get like I hate to be the Vince McMahon like be like Vince McMahon here, but like he's too he's too small. What, yeah. Like why is he so small? <laughs> like. Davion Mitchell, although, again, I would have him over Jalen Johnson, is literally how far I would go in terms of just, just how much I don't want Jalen Johnson. Uh, yeah, Davion, maybe we'll do one on Davion Mitchell. Um, yeah, we'll see, but probably Kai Jones will be on there. No guarantees, but, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully come out with another episode by next week, maybe by the weekend. I don't think we're going to do one by the weekend. Um, yeah, so, yeah, stay tuned for that, and, you know, We'll also kind of check in with who was right about Game 5 as well. Oh, yeah. On Saturday. 
All right. All right. We'll catch you guys on the uh, next episode. Yeah. We'll see you guys later.